The UK Scriptwriters Podcast, coming to you thick and fast. The UK Scriptwriters Podcast, with Tim Clegg and Danny Stack. <laughs> <laughs> Have you... Um, I'm branching out, Tim, what can you I not, say? Uh, not been busy? No, 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 it's just... So quiet, <laughs> sitting in that office, getting a little bit... Jack Nicholson from The Shining. I tell you what, it had that little echoey feel to it. It must be from my own office. I don't know if it was Garage Band. Uh, oh, door oh, it's the door. Oh. Wait, wait, Hold folks, on. wait, folks. Yeah, did it come on? Yeah. There we go. Back. Oh, we're back. It was yeah. a hard drive being delivered, Danny. Yes. That's where. <laughs> so I had to get that. Right. I've otherwise, I've... otherwise, I've got no storage to put the podcast on. Exactly. So that was good timing. So this is Danny Stack. Hello and I, there. And I'm Tim Clegg. And um, this is episode eight of the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. Yeah. So a little podcast that was basically Danny's idea to. Um, I don't know, sort of keep people talking about script writing from a UK perspective rather than uh, a Hollywood perspective. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're not big shakes, we're not big movers in the industry, but we've done some bits and bobs and we earn a living from writing, yes. which, um, we've done which things is you might quite have rare anyway, you yeah. know, uh, in, in, in Britain. And uh, almost we do it for ourselves because it helps us think about where we are yeah it's a bit of a giggle once a month so around this time every month get together and have in, a chat in tim's fancy new office which looks yeah like we're a back very, in the office a, now a soho studio suite it's yeah. very nice tim i'm very impressed and for you technical geeks this time we're using a different microphone it's like, because it's on loan and we're and we're testing it out and seeing how that works so uh, we got a, a kind of a question from On Me Jack on Twitter, who we believe is Steve Keevil. Steve Keevil. Just a quick before you start on that. So Steve is a guy that I met because I was his mentor. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, and uh, just reminds me that there's so few mentoring schemes. Mm-hmm. However, a teeny bit of screenwriting news. It is time to apply for guiding lights yes if you want to so that's open right now which is where you can be mentored by some of the not a couple of losers like me and danny but by top writers directors whatever your field is yeah they always underrepresented in produce in producers um they always want more producer people to apply so if you're in that any anything in production management or, or production then definitely get in touch but anyway what is steve's question uh, steve's question is to do with nomeo and juliet the recent um animation film out at the moment three stars in empire yeah it's made by elton john's company uh, rocket pictures um and so his question is should nomeo and juliet have had the original shakespeare ending <laughs> and we and we we we, we both say Yes. I bet it was. First draft, it put it in there. You know, that, you know, no spoiler here, but, you know, we have to say it. You know, the double suicide at the end <laughs> for Romeo and Juliet wouldn't quite work for a kid's film. But, no, well, you but maybe it will. Well, yeah. <laughs> let, let me just challenge you with this, right? Here's my challenge to that question. Okay. If it was made at Pixar, what would it have? Uh, them dying at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. No, you know, there's a thing that you, you feel that you can't have that ending that it's um it's not suitable for kids, but I think Pixar's just proven that anything's suitable for kids. That's right. See, Steve, uh, you ask a seemingly joking Roald question. We take what would Roald Dahl do? Roald Dahl, the most famous one of the most famous British children's authors, he'd have that. Yeah. You know, so there's yeah, definitely you could do it. You should do it. Yes. That's the answer to that. From two people that haven't got any money 
and we're talking about some uh, very successful. Yes. <laughs> well, it, an interesting aside to the Nomi and Juliet thing. It was written by eight writers, but on the posters they didn't put them on because presumably there was too many to lose. Now is, we had another question that I was a bit more intrigued about, which was sent in by Francesco. An email, yeah. An email. This was, and it was talking about research. Um, he, his example was about uh, Aaron Sorkin, who did The Social Network, yeah. which is, you know, a bit geeky, obviously, in some of the terminology, especially at the start. Um, and uh, his question is about research. He's saying there Sorkin got help from uh, computer experts. About the jargon. About the jargon and so on. Obviously, he, he hasn't had to learn, you know, all about... Um, you know, APIs or anything like that. So, uh, does he, do you really sort of need to do that amount of research? Now, I'm pretty strong on this because I think there's two types of research. There's sort of the the detailed, Danny, like that kind of those words that you want to get right yeah. that are hard to understand. And you might want to get um, uh, someone to check your work or, or help you with that. There's another type of research that I'm more a fan of, which is, uh, kind of character research and the type of world that it is. Mm. So you, if you just didn't do any kind of research, then you would end up with characters that don't feel like they belong in that world. You end up with bland characters. Uh, I was doing a... Um, uh, uh, I still might do it, but I finished the script uh, to a first draft stage um, set in the world, you know it, Danny, set in the world of kind of Google Maps. Oh, yeah. And that kind of... Aerial imaging, street map, and so on. Yeah. Now, you could say, I, d I don't need to know about how that exactly works, and that's true. But I did get someone from Google Maps, from a friend of a friend, to check the script and uh, give me some feedback. But the feedback was better than I could hope for, because it was actually about, oh, that type of person is more like this. Mm -hmm. And you've not captured it. Now, what that what that enabled me to do is when I had that feedback, it was actually that unlocked some story problems for me and opened it out. Yeah. Because they said, oh, this type of character is um, will quite often not share those those feelings and would in fact work alone even in a busy office. Yeah. And uh, that kind of unlocked that for me and thought, yeah, actually, this is more of a loner, and that would be the kind of the theme of the story. So that really that really helped kick that off well, that's and that's the, the sort of research that I think writers should be doing yeah not not don't have to be an expert in it but you've got to know the people that would be yeah you've got to do a minimal amount of research I think even if you're doing a rom-com about relationships and you think oh there's no research needed here if you do mm. something just it's going to bring out an, a unique bit of detail that you can put into the story by the way if you've got questions yeah email us or twitter us or facebook us or whatever you want to do yeah. Email is uh... email is the the kind of the core way, and the email address is ukscriptwriters at hotmail .com. So send us send us some some bits and bobs in. Now, Danny, you've had um, uh, a couple of years ago now. You you did a post that has resurfaced again recently, and there's been a hit yet again. Tell us what that was. Yeah, I did a blog post about Joss Whedon's top ten tips, and I picked it up from Channel 4's talent magazine. Oh yeah, which was for talent. So the article was actually written by a woman called Catherine Bray, who's editor of Film 4, I think. Right. Uh, Film 4 Online, anyway. Hats off to her, then. Uh, so so I, what I did was I just read the article, Joss Whedon's Top 10 Writing Tips, and I just thought it was, you know, brilliant. <laughs> uh, and I got her permission to reproduce the article on my blog, which was great of her mm. to do. 
Um, but it's the most popular link on my blog. Right. So even now, two years later, I can still maybe put a Twitter shout out or mm. something like that, and it will just spread like wildfire over these. So we thought we'd go through top Joss Whedon's top ten this, tips. Because this combined with the fact that some people said about the podcast that we've been focusing a lot on some of the more nebulous things about mm. writing, the writing life, yeah. careers, genre, tough decisions of the future, what direction to go in, those kind of things, which are great, yeah. but aren't so black and white. Mm. So to sort of shift the balance back... We've got some black and white list of top tips and we're going to see how far we get. We'll probably only cover five this time and maybe we'll pick up the five at a future, the next five at a future date. Yeah, but if you want to see the whole thing, you can just see it on my blog or do a quick Google for it. It'll come up very quickly for you. Joss Whedon, if you don't know who he is, oh, come on, who are you? <laughs> but, but also, in some ways, a hero is because he, he's a failure. Is he a cult, cult figure? Really? Well, yeah, because... So his the, things are not his, his things are interesting, Danny, but not always. Not every single time are they he, a big hit. Exactly, he's had as many um, failures as successes. His but, biggest success is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and we have to say that. Obviously. And the That's last, what he's really but the last thing that he 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 did was the, a Dollhouse, I think, wasn't it? Dollhouse, which was a bit of a flop. Yeah, bit of a flop, but interesting. Yeah, and he made Doctor Horrible's <laughs> sing along blog. I love that. And he made it because he had control over it. And he could spread the wealth or the success of it yeah. between the people he yeah. directly worked with. Yeah. And the result was a hilarious kind of spoof on the whole uh, superhero genre. Yeah. Yeah. That was first online. Yes. And you could watch it for free. Yeah. And then after a while, you could buy it on iTunes and yeah, it was yeah. on DVD. So yeah, the, guy, yeah. the guy's a very proactive, yes. positive guy. Yeah. He's a very good writer. He's known for his kind of acerbic and witty dialogue and cultural yeah. references that he can yeah, make. That's right. He's one of the writers on the first Toy Story. Didn't know that. Yeah. No, didn't uh, know that. So he's a bit of a legend. Okay. And so here's his top ten. Okay, so point. his first one is, and um, we're going to sort of summarise these down a bit for the podcast, but his first one is finish it. Finish the damn thing. Make sure that you finish <laughs> your, your script. What he means by that is, of course, not the not the obvious advice, which is finish it. But keep going forward. Yeah. Uh, and his danger that he's warning about is that tendency that perhaps we all do sometimes, which is to start rewriting before you've finished. Mm. Get through it uh, and then look at what you've got. Yeah. And 100% finished is worth something and 60%, 70% is worth zero. Yeah. Because it's a kind of a binary thing. Either you've got a script or you haven't. Exactly. What, not, do, you, do you agree with that, Danny? Uh, well, I was just going to read Joss's own words here. Uh, even if it's not perfect, even if you know you're going to have to go back into it, type it to the end. You mm -hmm. have to have a little closure. Because then you're not just talking about, oh, I really want to write a script, or I think this could be good. You have a script. Yeah. And you have something in front of you that you know can be changed, yeah. rather than knowing, oh, I don't know where to go with this. Now, um, I've met many writers that struggle with that over the time. Yeah. So let's... Although we agree that to be true, let's think about some of the reasons why that might not happen to people. And I think, first of all, is a doubt, self-doubt. Absolutely. And that might be about not having a clear goal. Not, not doing enough research. Not doing enough <laughs> research, but not doing enough structural work as well, maybe, or thinking about it before. Diving headfirst in, getting 20 pages in, and then realising, actually, um, I think that this story starts at about page 12 mm. i've now got into it i understand more about it through my work on it so let me go back delete pages 1 to 12 or get them down to one page and then start it and so on now you can see the the thinking behind that 
I still say Joss is right though, his, his advice is right, because you, you, if you've had that revelation so far, what might the next few pages bring? They might tell you the, something else is true. Exactly. At which point, you'll never finish it. So in fact, admit that your first one is an exploratory mine shaft, if yeah. you see what I'm saying. You, you're hunting there to see if the, the gold is down there. Just admit that's what it's going to be. Know that it's going to be 180 pages long. Yeah. Do or it, the, or and then like think what is the, where is the interesting bits in it. Don't start scurrying around the first time you, you see a shining bit of metal. You know, mm. there might be a whole seam somewhere else next door. So uh, I think that that's true. That, that brings us on to number two. Number two on his list. Structure. Structure. Now, he's saying there are some legends. He, he, he mentions Terence Malick and Robert Altman that kind of, that are a little bit less structured, that can find the Seemingly gold as they go. Seemingly less structured. Seemingly less structured yeah. is probably exactly right, actually, but far more knowledgeable and they're research kings. Mm. Um, he's saying, don't be like that. You probably can't pull it off, which is, 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 is uh, Well, he's one, of the, he's one of your, he's right up He's one for me. I'm going to agree with it. His word is, I'm a structured nut. I actually make charts. Oh. Now, I don't like the way that he phrases that. <laughs> I think it should say, of course I make charts, <laughs> rather than I actually, like, that's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, it is slightly. I think most writers are a bit more of the free form. I think it's probably um, 25% of chart, chart types. It's and like, it's like you've written this, Tim. Charts, graphs, coloured pens, anything that means you don't go blind is useful. That's you. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but go, I, I, I go blind looking at your charts. I know you do. I know you do. Until you started to use one and then you said that actually it did help. It did, yeah, I have to admit. Yeah. Um, if you're working on your own, it is maybe isn't so important. As soon as you want to share things, it probably is more important because you can both look at something. I'll I tell you my thing, why I started to get into it. It's a weird thing to say, Danny, but there might be people out hearing it that recognise what I'm saying. I get scroll blind yeah so I, I i've got a page i've got a big monitor so it's not like i'm as cramped but i still can't fit a hundred pages of a script on on the, on the monitor if you print it out and lay it on the floor you still can't see it i want to see the story it's simply i want to see the ups and downs of it in one place yeah i want to see where a setup and a payoff is if I'm scrolling or flicking through the pages, I was a bit on page 30 and a bit on page 52 or something. I, I just can't cope with it. Yeah. My mind's not, can't hold it all. Well, moving away from the notion of charts, right? And just thinking of actual structure. I mean, structure is your best friend, really. Structure just means the right things happen at the right time. Hmm. You don't have to get confused about Freytag's pyramid five-act structures, yeah, yeah, yeah. all this kind of malarkey that people spin out making themselves sound clever. But, you know, the classic <laughs> template that Aristotle kind of invented was mm. the three-act structure. Mm. I find that really helpful when I'm a bit stuck uh, because then I can just think, okay, the main points of a three-act structure are like my clothes page, yeah. if you like. Yeah. Things that I can hang things on. Yeah. So, like, I have a big idea for a big car crash in the middle mm. I can go oh that could be the midpoint of my act two kind mm. of thing so then that helps my brain think okay I'll, then I have to lead up to it in this way and it helps me kind of produce plot I you know sort what. of do but I'm not I, I, I tend to use um, maybe people are aware of it maybe they're not but I tend to use a sequence approach oh yeah I like that okay which which just to give you a very short and check out much more about it if this intrigues you in any way 
The sequence approach says that in fact stories are built out of 15 minutes or so sequences, like each it. of which has a three act. Yeah. So again, using the three act, but it's saying that there's a beginning, middle and end of each of those um, uh, sequences. Now, they and, and I read a book that analysed films in that manner, e.g. Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. Now, if you want to apply Lawrence of Arabia and look at that in a three act structure manner, it's almost too big. It's three hours long. Where's how can you split that into three parts? That's crazy. Mm. But if you split it into he's going across the desert, the end of that sequence is be, is meeting Faisal. Yeah, you've, you've got something. Yeah, you, you know it helps you lead on. It yeah. just it just keeps and so I use that. Let's tie together three and four just in case we get kind of bogged down for time. Um, number three is have something to say, and number four is everybody has a reason to live, which are kind of tied together really. Yeah, um, they do, they do, which uh, which actually was the next thing I was going to say about structure, so he's following the same, probably the same thought process. If you overstructure, you get scenes that occur mm-hmm. for reasons of structure. Yes. And to move the story. Join the dot storytelling, yeah. Yeah, which where it's like where, when, when viewers watch it, they say, why would they do that? Exactly. And of course, we, go, we all go... Because they've got to be there for that to happen, yeah, which isn't a reason. It's the perfect so end of Act op- 1. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is the opposite of that, which is to say, make sure that people have got reasons for things that they're doing. Yeah. And that everyone's living the life true to themselves. Mm. They're not a villain because they're a bad egg. Yeah. They're a villain because the world's given them a hard time. Yeah. And they see the world now like this. Mm. I think the best villains are the sympathetic villains where you go, actually, there's something in what they say. Exactly. That's the best villain. Giving them some authenticity. I think Joss here is talking about characters and characters' emotions. So even if you're talking about a big genre film, it's still interesting to know what a character is going through. He mentions Die Hard. Die Hard's so great because John McClane is such a good character and he's there to save his marriage. Mm. And he, he's not reacting in any heroic way. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. petrified. He doesn't know what yeah, to do. Yeah. He's barefoot. Yeah. He gets glass in his feet yeah. you know all these brilliant things yeah, and, he's, right. and he reacts the worst him. hero in a way in in that way yeah because he's non-heroic and he's non-prepared exactly um and he reacts in a very he, human he way reacting yeah he's, he's, very he's human. not driving the he's not driving the story hardly at all mm. the others are in charge yeah. which is why they're great villains because uh, there's someone to be scared of they're actually 10 times better than he is yeah in preparation and so and the flip side of that is Joss mentions The Island, uh, the film with um, Hugh McGregor and mm. Scarlett Johansson. He says, you know, it evolved into a car chase movie. and um, But he's like, what, what does it feel like to be those guys? Because they were clones and stuff. Mm. And, so, and the film didn't really touch on that. So you can have your big action, you can have mm. your fantastic ideas. But if you don't have yeah. something to say, number three, yeah. and everybody has a reason to live. So it's like the characters have a perspective. Yeah. Um, and what is it? Yeah, uh, that's what, where blandness lies, isn't yeah. it? If you disobey those two rules, I think. Mm. Um, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Because number five, we'll we'll cut it off here. Cut what you love, and it is cut what you love, which is the hardest one. Which is the hardest one. Which we, we, another we, another phrase for this is kill your babies. That's right. Yeah. Um, I we were talking about this the other day. Were we? So let, yes, we were uh, on the train. Yeah, and. Uh, I just um, remind you of that, which was the fact that I said I couldn't do it and I had to get you to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just came in and whoosh. <laughs> yeah. And that, what a great 
what a great thing because we both agreed it was the right thing to do mm. let me tell you what that was folks at home it was um it was getting rid of a character it was yeah so um i asked danny to i was so close to this story having worked on it for you know quite a few months a uh, few drafts already um at that point you don't know what you're doing really because uh, you're so close to it as i said to danny uh, danny don't give us notes just just launch in there and rewrite it yourself It'd be quicker than you writing 20 pages of notes. So what Danny did was take out one character. I did. And, and we uh, lost 30 pages. <laughs> and I didn't notice that character was gone really because those thoughts could be easily be expressed by others within the mm. film that were pre-existing. But it just cut back on the complexity and the fuss. Mm. It was a simpler, more streamlined story. And I totally agreed that it could have that it was better yeah uh however if that had been a, a, a feedback note to me yeah. i might have been more reluctant about it and looked for ways to defend the character right. okay. so i th in some ways it was good to hire you as that executioner of the character mm -hmm. and i think um uh, i would change that bit of advice therefore to be prepared to cut what you love yeah because you might want to get someone else to do that work for you if you get stuck don't don't give up because you get if you can't do that get a way around it yeah get yeah. someone to help you do it because it's hard to do because joss is mentioning it almost in a brainstorming way really because he's like if something isn't working or if you're stuck take out your favorite scene or your very best idea or your set piece and just cut it um because he's saying it might find its way back in mm. but it might free you up to actually do something better or just to find the right way yeah Good stuff. So there we go. That's a good, nice, uh, healthy chunk of discussion. And we'll pick up on the other remaining five next podcast. Indeed. Uh, but as I say, you can check out the whole top ten online, no problem. Right. Um, Let's move on to reviews. one of my favourite bit reviews. Uh, you're going to do a jingle for that next time. Is this what we've now got to look forward to, Danny? Well, you singing it. I do not moment. present that opening jingle as what I want the jingle for this show to be. In fact, if anybody else has a better jingle in mind, and, um, you know, could... Indeed. ...could have the time to do one, we would be very open to hear it. We or would. to receive it. So get going on your garage bands, if you like. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, no jingle for reviews, except for me shouting, reviews, like a madman. Anyway. So the first thing is one... We're going to do online and new media here. Yeah, yeah, instead, yeah. Instead of film and TV. Instead of film and TV, which we did last time, and the comic book guy, and all sorts of things. We like to keep it kind of uh, quite wide range in these Shake reviews. Shake it up, keep it on your toe. We've been asked by Philip Barron to have a look at a bit of work that he's been looking at, uh, working on as head story person or something um, for an online uh, drama called Persona. Bit of a different one. They've gone down a different route of distribution it's online. It's exclusively but for your. It's exclusively for iPhone, I think. Uh, well, it's certainly we watched it, didn't we, on, on an iPhone? It's an app because uh, it's an app. It's an online drama in the palm of your hand. That's no, that's their that's kind of their tagline. Tag now I can see why that works because uh, something like Mr. Vista can be on all formats, which is finished now. Tim's Mr. Vista. Know. His I online series. My, my online series, which did thirty episodes of over comedy series, but I didn't do it uh, as an app. Which meant that I couldn't charge for it. Yeah. So there is a difference because an app is a paid thing. Normally it can be free, but you can charge for it. This is ridiculously cheap. Mm. It's almost not worth charging for. It's like one pound nineteen or something. Yeah. It's a crazy price. Um, but uh, I wonder if it's almost too little. But anyway, we shall 
we shall see what the business model yeah. dictates. But I mean, uh, why we want to review it because it's new and it's a new, it's a new thing for new media. Yeah. Phil is a screenwriting mate of ours. Um, yeah. Online mate, really. Yeah, to be yeah. Fair. But, but to be fair, we've sort of followed his blog and he's followed ours. He's, a, and all he's this. a really good bloke, and so he's been leaving this. So it's new writers, and it's a new thing for new media. It's an online relationship soap, I suppose you'd call it. It seemed to me like a soap. Yeah, I, we watched a few episodes. We couldn't watch episode one for some reason. Yeah, let's just let's just break this down. I'll review, uh, Danny. Some of these words are going to be very quick. But what did you think about the look and the feel and the technical quality? I thought it was very good. I thought that was good. It was shot nicely. Looks the part. The sound's okay. There's yeah. a couple of lines that were just dip maybe in and dip out. in and out. But the music's good. I would say... Production no, values. I've got no problem no recommending problem this to someone as yeah. being something that looks, you know, It doesn't really look good. like a student film. It does not look like And that. the actors aren't bad either. All good stuff. Um, they're about two minutes long each. Yeah. Um, normally, normally containing two soap scenes. Yeah. Um, would, how did you feel about that? Was that about right? I could have done with three, three I don't scenes, know. but I or don't one. Know. There's two I found a bit odd because it's a bit like you see this and this. It just feels a bit out of balance. Did I mean I noticed that you remember the editing technique where one scene came on the from push the right. pushes yeah. on? Yeah, was that a kind of a? Do you think that was a um, style choice to say okay, this is now a different story strand, or was it just a editing choice to go? This is just a different scene. Well, that's the same thing almost. Yeah, but. What I'm saying is two are like a pair somehow, but they weren't really pairs. Three suddenly takes it to, it's just three scenes. And one means, hey, this time we're looking at these two characters in a little bit more depth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, small things, and uh, we can't we can't talk about these things until someone's done them, so good on them for doing it. Yeah. And then they're allowing us to think about those issues, what would we do differently? Some technical things about it, before we end on looking at the writing... Yeah. Some technical things about it. I think it could have gone a bit further with the interactive element of it. I don't mean an interactive story. Mm. What I mean is there's a power to having an app. So if we let's go back to a familiar ground, TV, Emmerdale or something like that. We watch it, we finish, we go and have t- our cup of tea. Right? Yeah. With with it with it being online, what this feels like it's done is just chop it up into two minutes bits but you could join them up again i feel that there was more opportunity interactively to have fun with this e.g i know i appreciate there's more development that would need to occur and, and that, there could that be something money, more that we are that, not that, seeing oh no i appreciate all that but what i think that that, that that you could do with this idea is for instance when the character's on screen that 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 area is hot spotted and you can click on it and read about that character their bio because you might want to or catch something up. Or something. I also feel that at the end of each episode, it could almost kick you into the next one instead of having to come out back in. That's a small. That's a small oh, thing. Easy access on screen, you mean, rather than just kick straight through. Almost, yeah. it could play them back to back. And I'd love to we, see. We didn't I'd, do too well with the whole menu of it, did we? With navigating ourselves. No, around. that could have been a bit slicker, and the thumbnails could have been good instead of a, just the title. And I also think it would be nice to, for instance, um, at the end of the episode to say a little menu that would say something like, watch the next one, or see the last three scenes that each of those characters were in, in mm-hmm. case you've forgotten why they're doing the things that they're doing. They mm-hmm. can't do that with TV, but you could do it with a with an app. Mm-hmm. So I feel that there's a great, I think it's a good first shout, because to tell you the truth, Danny, it's no small no small feat. It, you know, it worked. Yeah. 
I, I, I bought it. I could watch it within 30 seconds of buying it. Yeah. So it's instant. The servers worked. The video didn't crash halfway through. Uh, you know, everything was there. Yeah. Uh, technically wise, it was, it worked. And artistically, it looked the part. Production values were good. So those are all... I'm not discounting that. No. I'm just talking about... Now I've seen that. Yeah. If I if I was going to do it, what would I do to lift it to the next level? Exactly. From that? Uh, what about the writing, though? Yeah, I couldn't really tell. It was perfectly good, you know. Yeah. But in t- because of that kind of level of production. Yeah. It's like. It was pretty standard in a soap manner. Yeah. Which felt, is not it, to discredit it, but it I felt, mean, it felt soapy, but not in a kind of oh god, I don't want to watch this kind of way. No. Yeah. Overall, I would actually say it was better than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Just because there's a lot of online rubbish. Mm. And this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a poor effort. Not at all, at all no. So if you're interested in soap writing uh, and, 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 and you like drama, then actually I would recommend that you go and check it out because it's only a quid. Well, so you should go and check it out anyway. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there was gags in there and they were working. Yeah. You know, and it was some of the bits yeah. nicely shot and some yeah. of the acting was good. And so yeah. So well done, Phil Barron and the team. Uh, the only other writer that I know on it was John Soames, I think. So um, yeah, just for kicking that off, really. So fair dues. Check it out. Persona on iTunes, on iPhone. Text Persona to whatever number that was. I've forgotten. Um, so yeah. So next thing we want to talk about was something that you talked told me about. Yeah, I, I felt thought, embarrassed that you had to tell me. Yeah, so I thought you knew let, about let's, it. Let's share my shame. Um, it's the trailer for Dead Island, which is a new computer game, and it was released last week, and it just took the internet by storm. Yeah, everybody was talking about it except me, except him because he doesn't look on Twitter. <laughs> um, and basically, it's it's a trailer for a new zombie game, and it was three minutes long. The trailer, and it was. The unique thing about it was it was done in reverse. So the action played in reverse, but it was telling a story mm. of what was going on because the visuals... With a family. The visuals were being... It was about a family being attacked by zombies, yeah. but it was yeah. focusing especially on one little girl. Yeah. And the the visuals were quite evocative yeah. and clever, cause especially because it was reversing. Yeah. But because it was about a family trying to protect a girl, it was quite emotional yeah. and, and visceral. So that was yeah. clever and worked. Yeah, it did. And so by the end of the trailer... It just felt like a short film. Yeah. Which was great. But everybody was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's right. <laughs> you know, the trailer's amazing. Yeah. But what would really have sold it to me was if it had come up at the end saying actual game footage. Yeah. And I'd be, be the first well, in line to kind of go. And this, this, and I checked, obviously I checked it out as soon as you told me about it. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing. And actually... I reflected back on some of the other trailers that I've liked in the bars. It's always the music. Is it really? That does it. Yeah, it's funny that. I did uh, like that music. So there was another one. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Um, that used Mad World. Do you remember oh, like Donnie yeah. Darko did? Yeah. The, the same track. Okay. There was um, people who so our, our nerdy listeners will remember that trailer. And that was very evocative. There was another one, The Last Guardian, which would be coming out soon, that used um, the theme tune from Miller's Crossing, which is another great soundtrack. And those really give it a mood and a a feel. And this uh, Dead Island used a great soundtrack. It was a bit like Mad World. It had that sound feel to it, didn't it? Definitely. No, there's no lyrics to it, but it had that feel to it. That kind of downbeat, mournful... I can hear it in my head now, actually. So... um, you know, I think that that really helps. But 
this is the thing that that uh, people that were intrigued by this and perhaps it was the first thing they'd seen like this mm. you're right Danny as with movies a good trailer doesn't mean yeah. a good movie God so some of the worst trailers I mean, when I've seen I thought were pretty poor were for the game that I've just finished which I thought was great and I was telling you about which is Fallout New Vegas Yeah. and I just finished that the other day because um, I'd already wasted enough uh, hours on it I think I did 90 hours in the end and 48% of the game or whatever, a bit, under, <laughs> a bit under, I think it was. Um, uh, but the trailers for that weren't so strong. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, you obviously, obviously you can't rely on it. But yeah, it was a good, it was a good. Well, to me, the piece. trailers for Assassin's Creed are good, you know. Yeah, but this Dead Island's got that self-contained feel about it. Well, it's it? going for something bigger and more epic, which yeah. is fine. But it's would like you... the game will be that. The game will be just like. Yeah, maybe. What what Assassin's Creed adverts look like? Yeah, maybe. Um, I would say if people are interested in a real mood, the mood of, of, of games, then there's um, a, a lovely game called Limbo oh, right. that uh, people should check out. It's only available for the Xbox, I think. You might be able to download it to the PC. I'm not sure. I saw it on the Xbox. And um, it's it's done well in the BAFTA Games nominations list. It's sort of done quite a few categories there. But it's a smaller game, you know. It's like an indie right. game, and uh, just black and white, and just a sort of a small boy trying to sort of get out of his own limbo, going across a strange landscape, two D side scrolling, look, but really moody. It's grainy, like an old film, sort of scratchy and noisy, and um, the only way that you learn is pretty much by dying repeatedly. So you walk along, suddenly a spike will come out of the ground, kill you. Mm. Yeah. You're not going to do that again. And so, leave it surely, you're like a small child that learns from mistakes. Uh, so it's a very brutal feel to it. So it's got this kind of real nasty, brutal feel with this cute little lad. Mm. Um, but what? that, but that is that mood of that zombie f trailer yeah. all the way through, but it wouldn't have the gloss. It doesn't look as appealing instantly. Right. But that mood is there if you've got to seek it out, that's all. So I'd say that you get the game's trailers now have pretty much got that full range of techniques that, that movie trailers do. Yeah. And they also have the same pattern that most of them are repeatable and a bit dull. Yeah, well, fair dues to Dead Island got everybody talking and it will probably do wonders for its games sales. So fair dues. Yeah. So now, competition time. You really don't want me singing in every... Um, <laughs> podcast all right so please send in a different jingle <laughs> for even every section of what we do especially the opening right. anyway competition time last year's last year's last month's winner or question was last, uh, the question was about uh, my own short film because we did the BAFTA special last yeah, time did. so I asked um, uh, what year was I BAFTA what century? nominated yeah <laughs> were you nominated oh, no, that's right BAFTA. that's right and um, of course what happened there is it was kind of a bit of a trick question in a way because um, the year that you might be nominated is not the year that uh, the awards the cover. So I'll give you an example. Mm. The things, say your Oscars this year, in the next week, whenever it is, um, they're the 2011 Oscars for films in 2010. Yeah. So it was a bit of a bit of a trick question. So in the end... We went for someone that gave us a nice all-round answer that said that it was in 99 for a film from 98. What was the name of the winner, Danny? Andy Goodman. 
brilliant. So, uh, brilliant well lad. done, and we've got a few runners up as well. Um, we should mention for the competition, you've got to be in the UK because of uh, yeah, posting the stuff out, posting the stuff out for MovieScope, who are our sponsors for this. Good on them, which is nice. So they give us Movie Magic software. DVD screenwriter video of interviews with famous screenwriters and subscriptions to MovieScope magazine, which is all very nice and lovely. So that'll be going towards Andy and and, and some runners up just get the uh, not just it's a really great magazine MovieScope uh, subscription. It is, yeah. Um, gets better each time actually. It, it's th- really sort of finding its feet now. The first few it was a bit like where's this going, but now it really feels like it, it, it's a good central place for you know. Uh, independent filmmakers I yeah. suppose yes because it talks about the craft of every department rather than just yeah. like gushing about but, but directors or yeah and it's not looking at it's not speaking to the person that worked on Iron Man 2 yeah. necessarily it's talking about people who worked on London to Brighton or whatever it's almost like yeah you could see yourself getting there yeah, yeah. you know soon so it all feels like it's in, in touch really now this week's uh, or today's competition, for yeah, the, for, for different spin month. again. Different spin again. We're going for. We quite enjoyed when we did a sort of a comedy question a little while ago. We're going to do that. Uh, the Casablanca two question. Yeah. So going back to our roots with that, um, uh, and it's links into Romeo and Juliet in a way. That's what inspired it. What uh, What we're going to do is Danny loved the idea of taking a famous Shakespearean play. And setting it in the world of gnomes. So uh, he's going to do the same. So Danny wants to rewrite famous films for leprechauns. Because he's from the Emerald Isle. As you may have noticed everyone. So uh, this time he's, he's, he's rewritten and redubbing a scene from a famous film a fam- in a leprechaun style. Yeah basically I'm going to do an, a bad Irish impression. <laughs> A, I've just built it up and yeah, now you're backtracking. No, man. it's just it's not, like you've built it you up do, so much. How can you do a bad Irish impression, man? You, you're from Ireland. You will hear it. <laughs> I'm going to do a leprechaun impression right. of a famous movie dialogue, and you've got to say, what, where the film's from? You've got to say, what film what have film? you adapted into a leprechaun movie? Right. Go. So, are you ready? Here Go. It is. <clears throat> Tis a hell of a thing, killing a man. Sure, take away all he's got and all he's ever going to have. Brilliant. I think better than the original, Danny. You but, see, look, what but we're what making is impressions the... and singing now, it's just turning into madness. <laughs> what? what um... Do you want to hear it again? <laughs> no, they can go back. It's interactive. Yeah, rewind. Uh, yes, so we want to know what film is uh, Danny reading. What film was that line of dialogue from? Uh, Email us. Yep, UKScriptwriters UK at hotmail.com. Um, email your jingles, please. Yes. Something. Yes. And the deadline um, will be the 20th of yeah, let's March. Stick, let's stick to the 20th. Right? 20th yeah. of March? Yeah. Next 20th month. of March. So um, let us know uh, by then. Next month we might be coming to you from a special place. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we're heading down to the Southern Scriptwriters Festival, which is a weekend festival down uh, where we are in Neck of the Woods anyway, in Bournemouth. Yeah. And they've got some good... Um, Got some good speakers, and me and Danny's going to be kicking around as well. So, what we're aiming to do is to actually um, maybe do a question and answer session or something like that there in the podcast format, 
which we might use bits of certainly yeah. or we'll do See similar we to what we did to the screenwriters festival just record various or bits. record some bits yeah. and bobs or a bit of both we'll so, see or you know if you want to come along um it's it's quite cheap to attend and it's, uh, it's and it's a, really got good people it's coming. a bargain price um 40 quid is it or something? something like that check uh, it out online so and, and you get and you get a lunch and you get a lunch yeah and um in bournemouth uni's fancy new lecture hall as well which yeah. is the main part come on then now if you're a bit shy you're a shy type and you're thinking mm, i don't know I don't know many people. I, I like the podcast, I like blogging, but to go along, I don't know anyone. Well, you do know. You know me and Danny. So we'll be there. So come and just say hello to us. Yeah. Just don't do any Irish impressions. I'm the only one who... <laughs> oh, yeah. If you do it, it's racist. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> if Danny does it, it's somehow all right. Yeah. But there you are. That's the way the world that's, works. That's how it is. So sorry about that. Um, good stuff. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Thanks for me. listening. Thanks for listening. Definitely email us. Keep, keep in touch. Please keep in touch and just tell us hello or what you like, what you dislike. Anything you want us to talk about, all those things, just give us a shout. See you soon. Bye.